There was a season of life where I felt like if I didn't come into church with a smile and kind of this up, it'd be very hard for us as a group to worship God because we have to be up. But there are certain Sundays that aren't up, and it's better just to acknowledge that and enjoy it because God's here even in Sundays that are plain. You know, we're halfway between getting into recovery and saying, I really need the discipline or routine in my life, and yet not quite ready to take it on, and uh, enjoying those few days off, and, and really a time to uh, catch our breath, get some vision for the future, but maybe not even fully into it yet, you know, just uh, taking that break. But even if the service is kind of mellow, there's that opportunity having encounters with God. And one of the things that I've really been on this Christmas season, even in looking at the lives of Mary and Joseph and now some older people, um, the things that we tend to look at as disqualifying us from either encounters or service within the kingdom of God really have no bearing on his in our his work you know that there are times when we would think like age or social standing or wealth you know how many dreams if i had a little more money we could do this i don't know how many times i've had that conversation with my wife and it's like you know what life is really good right now and i need to apply what i have and so i've you know, and me being a person that lives a lot of time in thought life, over the last few years, one of the things that I've really tried to apply myself to is that not to get too far ahead of the curve in learning with application. In other words, uh, if I'm not applying what I'm learning, it's kind of wasted. And so moving into that, uh, I'm, I'm, what I want to do today is look at three or four people, I guess, that um, were beyond the age of what we would generally think as being in a position to have much significance within the kingdom of God, and yet we're reading their story even now. And, and so, you know, the one guy, by declaration, he's got one foot in the grave. He's just waiting to die, but he's waiting until he has this particular event or encounter with with what God has promised him. He says, I'm ready to go. And we would think, why would God bother with that? There's nothing beyond this. You know, it's not like God's going to establish him and now, you know, this flurry of activity. And God's not even bothered by the, the lack of activity that's going to come afterwards. And uh, so in looking at that, I'm going, he can deal with our lives today. He, he works in our hearts even now. And it's not dependent upon all these surface things that we tend to get so caught up in. So let's walk through this. The first story is of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And um, this is a story, you know, like, you know, how people tell stories. Did you hear the one? Well, this is about, did you hear the one about the guy that went to church and had an encounter with God? Last thing he anticipated. But this is, this is one of those stories. You know, he, he, 
he is carrying out the, the tradition and the religiousness, but he actually has an encounter with an angel of the Lord, and you know, it blows him away. Uh, it says of Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commands and statutes of the Lord. In, in all of these stories, there's been a declaration about the righteousness of the individuals. And I guess if anything, I want to put out to you that a righteous lifestyle and righteous character, in a sense, leaves the door open for God to, to work in a life and through a life. And the other things are more superfluous than, than this. So if you want to focus on something and say, I'd like to set myself up for encounters with the Lord and for his work through my life, focus in on the character of righteousness and the pursuit of righteousness in the Lord. Being like him, becoming like him. It says uh, they, they walk blamelessly followed the statutes and commands, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Do you realize in that culture that potentially there would have been people challenging them regularly about the sinfulness of their lives because they weren't able to have kids? You know, when, when the story of the blind man in, in John 9, he, he's going to receive healing, right? The disciples say, who sinned? This man or his parents? Something took place for this man not to be normal. And so looking at this, these people would have carried that stigma over their lives. Now, was, was this a, a result of their No. The declaration is made righteous and blameless. So even in righteous and blamelessness, it may not mean a simple life or uncomplicated or without difficulties or even what appears to be, from others' perspective, a lack of righteousness. There, you know, in this situation, they have gone through life, they've been unable to have kids, and there would have been this kind of cloud saying, well, they, they, you know, they come off as righteous. But you know, what, what's really going on that we don't know about. Nevertheless, this is a declaration made. And, and you know, there are, there's attachments with, with sin, right, and health. I mean, that's, that's normal. You know, somebody's liver falls apart, and we say, well, you took in a lot of stuff you probably shouldn't have. Or if their lungs are, you know, or... And, you know, if in a case of adultery, your family may come apart. You know, that there are ramifications for sin. But to put that on everyone in every situation and every time, that's really inappropriate. We step into the place of judgment at that level and are making declarations that we're ill-prepared to do. So in this case... Here's a couple that the declarations made. They're, they're living well, but they still haven't gotten what they desired, and, and they haven't had life turn out the way that they expected. It says, while he's serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple and burn incense. So what's about to happen, he doesn't put any effort into it, it's just show up. 
and he's selected in, in a thing that's not even his choice. So he, he's, not, he's not investing a whole lot into this experience. God's just decided, now's the time. It says, There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell on him. Now in Israel's history, Levi's, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, had been slain when they were offering incense. So there's always that story to carry on. But there may also have been this thing of, maybe I really am sinful, and here's the angel. This is it. Maybe I thought I was living righteous. And it, uh, we don't know. We just know that fear is, is the response. It says, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Astounding, huh? He's, he's standing, and suddenly he's being told the desire of your life, your prayer, it's being answered. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And then he goes on to say that this child is going to live like a Nazarite. And, and the whole Jewish system had a way of, of dedicating a life unto the Lord and, and living in this fashion. It says, He will turn the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So again, a reference is made to a great Old Testament prophet. And the, the knowledge of Malachi would have been in his heart that there's one coming like Elijah. And so this declaration is being made over John's life. And Zechariah says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. So let's get this right. He's been praying a prayer that his wife would conceive. Now the prayer is about to be answered. The angel is saying, this is going to happen. And he's going, I'm an old guy. It's too late. So you've been praying a prayer with belief or unbelief. And is God dependent on even belief to see this through? This gives me great hope. You know, there's a lot of prayers that I pray that I... I know who he is. I know what he can do. I just don't know that he wants to do it for me. You know, it's, and I can try to bolster my confidence, but it's kind of like trying to pull yourself up, you know, and, and float. It, it, I never get off the ground for very long. I'm a white man. <laughs> Play basketball, you'd understand that. <laughs> we, at times, will we'll just heap more guilt, saying, I, 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 if I had it, if I just would get it right, then, then God would answer my prayer, or could answer my prayer. In this particular passage, it gives the impression that this guy has been praying the prayer, but it's long since the stage of belief. And it's, it's more like, 
Well, I don't know what else to do. Might as well pray. That, you know, it's part of my habit now. I, I don't know, but it just, you know, the fact that he responds with, this is impossible, it, like I say, it gives me great hope. Now, the people were waiting for him to come out, and he comes out mute, and uh, his tongue's, you know, in, in some ways it's better that he doesn't talk. Um, you know, because you know, I had this encounter with God, and I'm going to have a baby. You know, God saved them the the difficulty of trying to explain all that, and even um, trying to declare faith, even when he's seen an angel. You know, it, in some ways, it's almost graciousness that that his tongue is tied. I, I do want you to know one thing, and I'm I'm going to jump some. Verses, but uh, when he does start talking again, he he starts giving thanks to God and declaring the greatness of God and prophesying. You know, it, it's like uh, he's had nine months to get it right, and he does, which is is awesome. The Lord helps him process it enough. Belief is, I mean, the baby's there. You got to believe that it can happen. And it's time to rejoice. What an incredible thing. I'd like to go on to a second story. This is a guy with a foot in a grave, okay? Um, so we would, we would tend to look at that and say, well, it's nice that, that God is still a part of your life and still talks to you, but, you know... Um, you're pretty old, so let's not expect anything really good coming out of you. Right? I mean, that's how we tend to view age. There's a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Again, it, it comes up. This is the declaration made about these lives. Waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. So one day he's praying, and he gets this understanding. We don't know exactly how that came. But it's locked into his mind that I am not going to die until I see the Christ. Now, He's not even committed to seeing that Christ do what he's going to do. He's just saying, I'm going to see him. I'm going to be a part of this thing. I get to see the Lord's Christ, is the passage here. And he came in the spirit into the temple. So he's walking with the Lord, and he's being directed by the Lord. The parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Time to go home and die. <laughs> it's been fulfilled. If we see life as a continuum where death is just a step into eternity, then it makes great sense that God would continue to talk to us all through life and on into eternity. If we view it more as the end, then it's like, well, why bother? It's pretty well over. So regularly, we tend to perceive things with 
too short-sightedness where we are looking and saying, it's all about this life. I want to suggest to you that if it's about relationship now and through eternity, then God wants to be a part of our lives, not only at salvation, but all the way through life and on into eternity. It greatly changes our perspective then. It's not about being too old or unable to do things, because this life has little bearing on the large picture. And so there's this thing, an awareness that goes, it's not about what I can accomplish in this moment, but it's more about this relationship. And so I should anticipate opportunity to have conversation with the Lord through all of my life. It changes the way we perceive things. Because we get to points and say, well, I don't have enough money for that. So shut that door. And you know what? I don't have the contacts to pull this off, so shut that door. I don't have the energy to go out and do it. Forget that. Shut that door. Why would God want to do something through me? I, can, I don't have any energy to, you know. Because he wants to talk to you now and on into eternity. So for us who are not quite one foot in the grave yet, it's not about what you can get done yet, but it's saying he's designed me for relationship with him now and into eternity. What an awesome thing. Finally, the last person I want to take a look at is Anna. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. There's debate that goes on regarding the dating of this, because um, some would say that she lived 84 years after her husband, and everybody's going, that's way too long. Back in that day, 84 would have been way too long anyway. But <laughs> it didn't matter to God. And she had lived righteously, and they, they called her a prophetess. Um, the reason that she's in the temple, uh, a widow in those days, and... This is just my day. <laughs> I want to backtrack a bit. In Timothy, you get a picture. <laughs> it's a small group. That was not a fart. I, just <laughs> I know, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it's too funny to leave alone. <laughs> Doing as much for her reaction as anything. <laughs> I may hear about this at home. <laughs> Y'all pray for me <laughs> with faith. <laughs> when Paul's <laughs> when Paul's writing in Timothy, and he's uh, setting down guidelines for the New Testament church, they kind of mirror 
um, Israel's form and, and Jewish, uh, Jewish worship. And in Timothy, he's going, if a woman's lived righteously and she's a widow and she's over 65 and really, you know, at that stage is unable to really um, take care of herself and such, well, then the church will take that on. And so this picture of Anna uh, is of one in the Jewish setting who's lived righteously. Uh, she's well beyond the age of, of doing much for herself. And so they, that was their welfare system of that day, so to speak, or social security, if you want. And, and so the commitment would have been to be pursuing God with all your energy, with all that's left of you. And so she spent all her time in the temple. That was her job, so to speak, to give praise to God and to honor him. But she's, she's established herself as a prophetess. And it, it says that in coming up the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She understood the moment. She got a hold of what was happening. And Jesus, when they were bringing him to, to be circumcised and make declaration, here's a new one for you, Lord. Um, she's, she's there at the moment. And she gets to participate. And you're going, what's going to come out of this? Well, she's not going to go on a speaking tour. And she's not going to be going and say, I got to see the Lord's... She's near the end as well. She's lived way beyond what anyone anticipated. And yet God says, you know what? We've had this conversation for years and <laughs> take a look at this. And he brings her into the joy of that event. And so when I... When I have looked at these stories and have gone through with the, the young woman who has no training, and the young man who's had his whole life turned upside down, and now these older people who, who really aren't producing much. And yet God says, I want to work through them. That, that means that we can look at ourselves and there is no reason that we can disqualify ourselves because of our situation. But rather we apply ourselves to living righteously, developing devout lives, and say, God, whenever you want, let's talk. Whenever you want to do something through me, I'm open. And we, we leave that door ready because we know that he uses ordinary people to accomplish his means. Thank the Lord. Why don't you stand with me? Lord, we thank you for these passages. We thank you for this Christmas story, this Christmas season. We pray that you will... Give us the faith that says God wants to speak to me and work through my life even now. 
In this moment, I pray, Lord, that some promises would be planted in hearts as to what you desire to do. In this moment, Lord, I pray that you would bring back confidence of dreams that have been given and what you will accomplish. We thank you for your great love in our lives. Amen. Your blessing rests on these, your people. And they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy an abundance of what can be had in relationship with you. Lord, I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. That many would be drawn to you. I pray that they will carry out the deeds of your kingdom. They would be loving toward all. That you'd enable them with the supernatural. Their lives might be mighty in you. I ask that your name be lifted up and exalted throughout this region. We honor you this day. 